as I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains, haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gonna give up, give up. You're listening to the Tom Fickle Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to kind of really be in touch with folks, either virtually, but also with bringing our spirits together and and just sharing and communing uh, about the importance of ourselves and the importance of self-love and and just the importance of kind of taking ownership of your health. Today is really a fascinating and a really provocative show where I think folks will understand that we often think of think of life in opposites and, and faith and science not being uh, part of the same same I'll say same same part of the same spectrum. But we are going to talk about faith and science and how faith and science come together uh, through the lens of uh, community collaborations in clinical research. And just as a as a way of uh, brief background, in 2010, a group a group from Yale reached out to leaders of the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, literally reached out to the AME Zion Church to help them solve a problem that had long been occurring, and long is really an understatement, long been occurring in the medical community, i.e. the lack of minority participation in clinical research. Basically, any pill or, or, or serum or uh, injection or surgery that you're going to undergo right now or for the future, it has to go through a clinical something called a clinical trial. And we need to participate in those things uh, and not to be uh, eliminated from the historical record. But the result of this collaboration was the development of something called the Cultural Ambassadors, who are still going strong after 13 years. This model has since been adopted by Duke Health in North Carolina, and we're joined by some reverends in, from the North Carolina Duke area who formed the AME Zion Health Equity Advocates and Liaison Partnership in North Carolina uh, out of Duke University the AME Zion Health Equity Advocates and Liaisons Partnership, HEAL, H-E-A-L. We're going to hear about HEAL and the significant work that these trusted messengers are doing. And we're joined, as always, by uh, some very solid trusted messengers here in the greater New Haven area. So we hear about the significant work that the folks in in North Carolina are up to uh, and how we can kind of bridge this gap between medical development and community needs. It's really a pleasure to welcome my guest, Reverend Wilbert Davis, pastor of St. Peter's Tabernacle AME Zion Church and partner of the Duke Health Equity Advocates and Liaison Program. Uh, We may be joined by Reverend, uh, I think Reverend Ray Owens is is joining us now, so I'll introduce him. He's the AME Zion Church, uh, pastor of AME Zion Church and founding partner of Duke Health Equity Advocates and Liaison, as well as Reverend Dr. Orlando Dowdy, presiding elder, Sanford District of the AME Zion Church and partner, the Duke Health Equity Advocates and, and uh, Liaison Program. It's always a pleasure to have Reverend uh, Dr. Leroy O. Perry with us. Pastor Perry is a uh, St. Stephen's AME St. Stephen's AME Zion Church, just located just outside of New Haven in the Brantford area, and cultural ambassador to the Yale Clinical Research Program. And we may be joined by Reverend Elvin Clayton as well. So it's really a, a lineup of, of folks that understand the connection between faith and science. Well, let's, uh, gentlemen, let, let, let's kick in. Uh, we have about 55 minutes, so we can kind of detail and, and, and share and just kind of speak from the heart about why you, you guys have been uh, involved in a program such as this. And what, is, what does it say about clinical research? And what was your initial response when you were approached actually by Yale and other white institutions were, that historically have not been that receptive to us. So let, let's hear a little bit about yourselves and why you decided to be a part of this really seminal, uh, transparent, and really, I, I'll stop there say revolutionary program in a good way that talks about clinical research. Um, Reverend Perry, do you think you might want to start off and then have the gentleman join us as well? I do want to, do, do, do want to extend the, the, the right hand of fellowship to our Duke, Duke fellows first. Uh... I think that uh, I think I think that in terms of foundation, we ought to start with how we in here in New Haven got hooked up with um, with Yale School of Medicine, which is uh, which is for us an unlikely partnership, being that there's always been the separation between Yale 
the uh, institution on the hill and the community at the bottom of the hill. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. we're in walking distance from Dixwell Avenue, and yet people have this feeling of disconnect between the two. And so it's an unlikely partnership for us. But when we were approached, it was by presiding elder um, Timothy Howard and uh, Tisha Johnson Harris, his niece. And when we discovered the disparity between uh, the healthcare of Black America and white America, we were shocked, particularly the disproportionate number of Blacks who have been affected in, in dramatic ways, life-threatening ways. Black people were dying two times to their counterparts over, over prostate cancer, mm, mm. four times over heart disease. And, and, and so the, the, the list just goes on and on. So when we when we realized this and found that maybe there was a way that we could, that we could stop the bleeding and start the healing, mm. that's when we um, partnered with them. And it is a partnership. Uh, we don't own them, they don't own us, but we're working for the same cause. And when we reached out to our brothers in North Carolina uh, to kind of partner with them and to work with them, I think the idea is that if, if you have a good, good thing you shouldn't just keep it to yourself mm. we thought that since we are ame zion and all over national and international we were going to reach our brothers and try to mentor them and work with them so that we could work together for the common good of our people and i think that's where we are and uh the the three gentlemen here from north carolina are our our brothers who are doing a tremendous work. In fact, I'm I, I'm almost envious of some of the work that they're doing, according mm -hmm. to Wilbur Davis. But then Wilbur can Wilbur can make a frog jump fifty feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Reverend Davis and Dowdy and and Owens, kind of share if you would, then uh, with that really good, good contextual explanation for why you guys, uh, your Reverends, decided to be a part of this program and what is what it says to you and why it's important. And it's kind of your initial, whether you were reluctant in the beginning to even consider the authenticity of the author of the of the offer. Yes, initially, um, I, I was approached by Reverend um, Dr. Darren Mitchell, who had also made contact with the group at Yale, I think, through President Elder Howard. And as a result, um, he, had, he presented to me and said, hey, are you interested? I'd say yes. But I did have some reluctance. We're talking about um, you know, clinical research, and I didn't have any idea of the scope, mm. what we would be learning. Um, but once the two groups met and you know, foundation was laid, it was like, yeah, let's go with this. This is something I think is important when we talk about disparities and inequities and um, inequities in our communities. And that's really kind of how I got involved from the from the very beginning. I'll let um Reverend uh, Owens, let him speak now. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely, um, I was introduced by um, Dr. Mitchell as well. And he asked me to be part of it. And I ran down to him, all the atrocities that were done to us as a people and as Africans, uh, not just African-Americans. And um, the diseases that were spread by in this world, the history of it mm. by, by uh, Caucasians and uh, the pandemics, the epidemics and so forth. And I said, heck no, no way. And uh, after talking for a little while and after sharing with me, I, I was in Connecticut with and served with my uh, my fellow uh, pastors there, you know, Brother Clayton and I, very good friends. And um, I said, well, let me see. You know, before I agreed, and uh, mm. when I uh, did listen to them, and actually it was a school at first, right? Dr. Daly was they they taught us about clinical research, about research, and then about clinical research, mm. and of course, uh, you know all about the uh, Tuskegee uh, syphilis study, and you know about uh, uh, heat and and others. Uh, I read a book called the Acres of Skin, mm. and Acres of Skin is a book that dealt with researchers doing research on 
prisoners in America. And I said, okay, I'm going to find out a little bit more about this. And about a year into it, I, I bought into it. Mm. Mm. And so mm. now I see the need in order to uh, uh, educate our folks and help them, particularly in the long run. Excellent. Yeah, I got uh, approached by presiding elder Timothy Howard and I was interested in the beginning to better understand uh, what they were going, what they were trying to accomplish. Mm. I had been at, uh, I have a heart for people and I hate to see people suffering. And I've been at the bedside of sick people with no hope. And I became very interested in this because I wanted to better understand the health disparities at the local level and the history and all of it. It was good. Uh, when we began, they taught us a whole lot about clinical research and how it helps the community. Hmm and how we bring about drugs uh, to our community, medicines to our community. And when we don't participate in the clinical trials, those medicines may not work as well with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was very interested. And excellent, excellent. Reverend Clayton, good, good morning. Good, good to see you, I just wondered, um, uh, we 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 kicked off about the, the context and the the origin of the the program and the connection between New Haven and and uh, and North Carolina. Just wonder whether you wanted to kind of weigh in with a few few, few thoughts as we kind of open things up. You on? Unmute yourself. I think you're still on. You're still on. Yeah. All right, thank you. I was having some internet difficulties this morning and still, but uh, I've heard a few things thus far. Uh, I would like to add that uh, this clinical research business is a powerful tool uh, if we could get more people connected to it. And early on, it was difficult. It was it was difficult for us. We said no. We 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 really didn't want to be bothered with this. But after a session with uh, Tisha Johnson and some of the physicians at that time, uh, our eyes were open to the fact that uh, even though we're all humans, we all have the same organs. Hmm. Uh, the the medications work differently in the different populations of people. And if we want to get the best that we can out of those medications, we must take part in clinical research. So, so with, with that in mind, um, we were sharing with people simple things like even the aspirin and the Tylenol that you take went through research. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and we also share with them just because uh, you may get involved in a clinical trial of research, it, it may not even help you because it takes so long for it to get approved, but it may help your children. Mm. It helped you. Eventually, it, 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 the world will be better off and medicine will be more effective for all people. Excellent. We have, we have about 45 minutes, everyone, so we can kind of delve in and, and share what's on your, your, your heart, mind, and soul in this topic. There's so many things I'd like to, like to ask you, but I guess, let me just, uh, just ask one more question about the, the partnership with, with academic institutions and why is that important? Because as churches evolve, people evolve, even academic institutions evolve. Yale is certainly a different institution than what it was when you first started. Uh, and I'm sure Duke has gone through various iterations, 
positive and negative ones. But I'm just curious about your your perspective uh, when you look look back and center yourself and look forward with the the importance of academic institutions being being really critical to our to, to our to our serving our mission and the partnership with them. What why is that kind of uh, important on an ongoing basis? Well, I was going to say, I think that, you know, I think the world after the pandemic has gotten, it's almost like the dogs in Birmingham, they've got a better view of how these disparities affect minority populations. And, you know, we, uh, one of the things that we have stressed in, in, at Yale and at Duke, is, is that the ministers or the ambassadors or the healers get the kind of training mm. that they need to be able to deal with, with the, um, the medical research that is being uh, supported by these institutions mm. and how they affect our people so that we can talk about it. And, you know, let me just say this, even, even I don't care if you're at Duke or at Yale, we still have a mistrust of these institutions. Mm. We know that in 1940, there were 124 black hospitals and these hospitals were reduced by, by the government to, to, two, to two in the South. I think it was Meharry and Howard and the rest of them were cut out. I mean, these black hospitals serve black people. And so, you know, even though I'm at working with and um, as an ambassador here at Yale, I know that you know at any moment, you know they can reinvent the wheel for us. So we must do the good work while we can, mm -hmm. while it is yet day, because night will come, and no man will work. So you know our partnership, though, I think will uh, enable us to go beyond our institutions. Like one of the things that I'm thinking, Reverend Dowdy, is that the learning and the training that you guys have, and that we have, that at some point, Amy Zion may just take this on our own as a challenge. And that's what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking to be independent and mm. black. And, um, and, but at the same time, I'm willing to take on the help of, of a major institution, any major institution that wants to help black people. Thanks. Reverend Dowdy or Reverend Davis or Reverend Owens, any response to that or tag teaming? Yes, <clears throat> excuse me. I would like to uh, also share with Reverend um, Perry said, uh, lots of training. We had no idea what goes into clinical research, the extensiveness of the, the training, um, learning the difference between quantitative and qualitative and why this is important and learning about institutional review boards, the IRBs, the approval um, that these researchers have to go through to even do the research, making sure that it's ethical, and what has been put in place to hopefully make sure that nothing like Tuskegee or what happened um, in Germany with the uh, experiments the doctors did there on the prisoners, hoping that none of that would happen again. But there have been some things put in, into place. And so this is, this is very important. And learning about... Um, as um, Reverend Clayton mentioned about an aspirin, when the studies were done, they were done primarily with men. But when women started taking the aspirin, the doses was too high. Mm. And so when they had more women included in the, uh, the study. Then they realized, okay, this is the doses we have. And that's the 81 milligram of aspirin that we take um, today. And so this is really important for our communities and you know, educate, you know, institutionally, there's still some distrust mm. in our community. And we recognize that. And we we are sort of like, you know, we're the liaison between the community and the institution because we are considered persons of trust. And as men and women of trust in the African American community, we dare not, we dare not betray that trust. And so we have to speak honestly and truthfully with what we present to our communities because you know that's who we are. Mm -hmm. Reverend Owens, and any comment in that in that regard as well? I simply agree with uh, both Dr. Dowd and Dr. Perry. I I uh, I was amazed um, when we came together in Connecticut a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, I think it was. Yeah. And I questioned the young lady and the doctors that presented 
and I discovered something that something blew my mind. I, I don't know if I should share it on here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, I said, well, look, I said, this is fantastic. You invite us here, you put us in a five-star hotel, you feed us and so forth, and you share all this information. Where's this money coming from? <laughs> you know, and how much is it? And it blew my mind when they mm. when they share with me, uh, Tom Ficklin, they shared with me that it was $500 million. That said that they're serious. Yes. That's a serious business. That's a serious figure. Of course, we're not getting, we're getting very little, if any, of that money. But the fact is, is they're willing to put that in because you've got a whole community that has a history of um, herbal medicine, of native medicine. Uh, uh, I mean, thousands of years mm -hmm. of history. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's all been good. And the reason why a lot of them uh, came into Africa, and a lot of people don't know it, is, is uh, because the pandemics, the epidemics that were going on in Europe and so forth, they were killing a whole bunch of people. As a matter of fact, Europe was just about uh, being wiped out because they didn't know how to deal with some of the things that were going on. And uh, when they said... Uh, that five hundred thousand will, but I tell you the truth, I five hundred million dollars. I said, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna see. <laughs> I'm gonna see, and I'm still seeing. Okay, yes. I'm, still, I'm still feeling the uh, seriousness, especially of our people in North Carolina, and uh, and my colleagues in Connecticut. Uh, I feel their their sincerity. Excellent, excellent, Reverend Davis. Yes, the uh, one of the important things that, that kept me in this was the training that we received, the information, the training about clinical research, about uh, how it affects the community in which we live, and how the researchers need our help mm. to get the information into. Mm. Black community. At mm. first, when I started talking about it and where I pastor, uh, nobody seemed to be interested. But the more I gave information and talked to them, the more I'm, I'm better received now. We have a large number of Baptist churches and we get together, the ministers get together uh, once a week have lunch and discuss things. And I share this information with them and they seem to be interested. Inter great. And let, let me just say this, Tom. Um, mm -hmm, please. I think that, uh, I think that what we've all learned is that there are, there are some, some developments that are just so life, uh, life-giving in terms of what the research at, at Duke and then the research at, uh, at Yale. One of the things that I learned going to North Carolina meeting with our Duke partners was that Duke, Duke Hospital said, we don't care how sick an individual is, we'll take them in and we will treat them. And I said, wow, every institution did that and treat them equally. Uh, and that is, that's, that, that, that's mm. encouraging in so many ways. Um, the COVID study here, we were a part of it, Reverend Clayton and myself, but one of the doctors who was early a part of the research, Dr. Onyema, was a black man. And he's been studying, you know, Ebola and all these other uh, pandemics and diseases. So, you know, to see a black man leading some of these projects, and then Duke, I remember the heart, the cardiologist who was a black man who was trying to look at uh, the um, he was trying to look at the DNA and look at the ancestry, see how this affected black uh, black men in terms of of how you know how just knowing this information could be life saving to generations yet unborn. So uh, you know I'm 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 excited about what Yale is doing. I'm excited about what Duke is doing. We're trying to go to Puerto Rico as well. We're trying to hook up with. Uh, Columbia Presbyterian and um, 
you know, the, the end cats, uh, just, just, it's just so much on our plates right now. And I'm just excited that we're still the, 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 the oldest, and I say this without any equivocation, that the oldest black uh, Methodist denomination is the Amy Zion Church. And, and we've always been the Freedom Church and we've always led this fight. So I'm, I'm just happy that we're still here and that we're on this show to let the world know we ain't stopped yet. Excellent. Uh, we're still moving forward. Excellent, Reverend Perry. And Reverend Davis had referenced a little bit about the, uh, the breakfast group and the outreach. So share a little bit, if you would, then about some of the outreach methods we've used thus far, what we might be considering down the road, because it's uh, in terms of marketing and public relations, that's a constant constant battle to kind of, you know, penetrate people's consciousness. So I was just curious, given the, the collective experience we have here on the show, I wanted to talk, if anybody, anybody would like to share a little bit about the, you know, the specific outreach methods that you've used and and how that has even enhanced part, enhanced the partnerships. Maybe even what's worked and what, what hasn't worked as we kind of do our own kind of, you know, diagnosis of our abilities and our strategies and our tactics. Yeah, the marketing is very important. Um, the flyers, the things that we put out. Uh, for the most part, our people are visual learners. If they can see it, they mm -hmm. better understand it. And I have had some positive reactions from uh, the flyers and information that I've uh, shared with them, uh, websites that they could go to, mm -hmm. the uh, libraries that they can get into off of the internet. Uh, that's what, that's what I, I've been doing. And I agree with uh, Dr. Perry. I remember years ago when black doctors could not find what was wrong with you, they would send you to Duke. I know a lot of people went to Duke got sent to do and came back better. Now, one of the things I will add with that, you know, with the marketing, we've tried to utilize as much um, as, as some other sister institutions as well, like North Carolina Central University, mm -hmm. uh, where they have what it's called ethnodramas. And they use these ethnodramas to use, you know, real actors and, um, you know, people who are actually interested in that industry and directors and whatnot. And like for diabetes, they did mm. a play called mm. A Touch of Sugar. Mm. And so, you know, they do these ethnodramas from a Black perspective, and they present them on some of the major diseases like diabetes and cancer and you know, breast cancer, things of that nature. And that has been very successful, and the turnout has been very good because we also realize that people even though they may be skittish of um, clinical research, the clinical research had to be done. All you have to do is, is ask the question, how many of you are diabetic? Or how many of you have high blood pressure? How mm -hmm. many, any medication at all? Well, there's a process how that medicine came to be. And would you want to live your life without that medicine? The answer will be yes, but until mm -hmm. there's a cure for the disease, they need this medication to help keep it under control. Mm -hmm. so that's just one of the ways um, that we've done this. Reverend Owens, from an outreach and, and a contact and public relations standpoint, any, any methods that come to your mind that have been, you know, really successful or that we need to improve upon or things that might not have worked? Well, quite frankly, um, everything has worked pretty good that we've done. Excellent. Excellent. Um, we have all started out and brought our, Kanisha, what is her? She's the master of public health but she is a, like a director of this program. And, and she um, and her colleagues came to our district conference. Mm. We have 19 churches gathered together and shared with them. And that sharing resulted in everybody's interest mm. because it was so dynamically presented by them. Um, and of course, I have not a radio program yet, uh, Brother Hickler. <laughs> uh, but, we, can, uh, we, can we can collaborate we can make it happen <laughs> hey, i sure would love to uh we do have a black radio pro uh, station here that's certain demographic though um but one of the things that work is my believe it or not i have a bible study and informational program at the same time mm. 
and it, start, it starts at 6.30 in the morning, okay? And I was surprised the number of people it reach, okay? I give information about what we do as healers and as ambassadors. I give information about some of the topics that we do, that we are going to talk about and we have talked about. And uh, I shared with uh, my friend, Dr. Dowd, I said, you know, the first time I did that at 6.30, I had one at noonday on Wednesday, okay? Mm -hmm. But I retired now and uh, I'm, I'm uh, not rigid, but I do wake up early in the morning. So mm -hmm. 6.30 in the morning to seven, I deal with information and I do deal with the Bible, the Bible study. Okay, and the Bible study always uh, focus on something that deals with health. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll tell you that the first time was 350 people, not that just responded, but 350 people that listened. Mm -hmm. okay? mm -hmm. And then the, the next time it was 500 and so, okay. I didn't even notice that my wife shared with me what uh -huh. we, you know, how many people, because she said, what you're doing up there? Anymore? And so lo and behold, I have a platform, and I love love to go on the radio uh, now. And just I just got to get some sponsors, but I do declare the response is great, and uh, most of the people who know me. They'll write something on my uh, Facebook page, okay, and then they'll ask it because a lot of the people are part of the Amazon Church, and when we come together as a district, it's on. And Re Reverend Perry and Reverend Clayton, just before I come to you, Reverend Owens, let me take a point of personal privilege and and uh, congratulate you on your 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 birthday, your sweet sixteen plus, I believe, I believe yeah. is today. <laughs> I can't believe I feel so good and look so fine at seventy five. <laughs> name it, name it, and claim it. That's what, the, that's what this is all about. So so happy birthday to you, absolutely, you. Reverend Clayton, Reverend Perry. Any thoughts in this regard about our? expansion and cohesion and, and just our, our synergy and, and our collaboration? Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, early on, we were uh, placed before people. We were exposed. We were on buses. Our pictures were on buses. All of the ambassadors. Um, we had a town hall meeting. Um, weekly during the early days of COVID. Um, and we just kept uh, going from one thing to the other until people started coming to us instead of us mm. having the, the people. Mm. It it has gotten to the place now that um, we've, as you know, Tom, we had a number of shows, autism, uh, prostate cancer, and the, the, the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. But just a few weeks ago, based upon what the ambassadors have been doing the last 13 years, we we had a blood drive because there's a serious need for blood, especially those mm. uh, of people of color. And um, we, our first blood drive, we had to turn people away. Mm. The numbers mm. were so great. So, so not only are we growing in terms of research, Anything that's connected with uh, health and wellness, uh, uh, we're, we're right there. Excellent. Never mind they get fed on Sunday morning. So, so we're just grateful for that, the great start we got in terms of helping our people to be more connected to uh, clinical research. Excellent. And all the time, let the people learn how to take charge of their health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Reverend Perry? Yeah, I think that what Reverend Clayton um, brought to our attention is that the media is the message. So not it's just not having our faces on the bus, but the fact that you got black people on Yale buses talking about taking charge of your health is significant. And you know, not only is that the 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 part of the process, but the other part of the process is to put in practice what that really means. And so mm -hmm. pandemic, we, we recruited and we had churches, we had individuals coming to our churches to get the vaccines. We had, we had programs for seniors to help them um, 
navigate the internet, Facebook, uh, telemedicine, which is which would have never happened had we not been players in the game. Uh, and also, I just want to take a note here that Bishop Monroe, who is our senior bishop, was also on this show mm -hmm. talking about prostate cancer. And it was, it was phenomenal. It was so enlightening. I'm going to tell you guys something. Uh, Bishop Monroe had cancer, prostate cancer 20-some years ago and is in perfect health um, after that. But he had a treatment that, that was unknown to me. Like, we know that you can either get it uh, removed surgically or you can get um, hormone treatment. Or you can, um, and, and, but what he, what he had a doctor in New England who gave him both at the same time, which is unheard of for me. He had the hormonal treatment and he had the, he had the uh, surgical treatment. And then he had the radiation. So whoever his doctor was, was a hell of a doctor because nobody else is doing that right now. So. You know, I, I think that one of the reasons I'm, I'm really I'm so happy that we could be on this show together is so that we can share these ideas together. So some of the things we're doing, you can do some of the things you're doing, we'll learn to do so that we can be stronger where we are, but stronger together uh, in the fight that we're all engaged in. We have about 10 to 15 more minutes, guys. So let's, Reverend, so let's just kind of share in and any comments from what, what we've heard thus far or points we haven't covered. I mean, guess when, when Reverend, uh, Valdi uh, was mentioning about the the drama. I really love that idea, and then yeah. mentioned, mentioned some of the specific diseases. Are there any particular diseases or issues or concern that still are so uh, difficult to kind of communicate to people that they need to really take ownership of? Or just how do you see some, kind of the the hill we've been climbing the hill for thirteen years plus, and we'll continue to climb and exercise ourselves? We just wonder whether you saw any particular uh, uh, you know dominant obstacles to our becoming a success in, in the way that we would like to. Yeah, I'd like to mention, um, for instance, with uh, Dr. Opayemi Olabisi and Dr. Nadine Barrett, we have gotten a, um, I think it's, what is it, $5 million grant to work with um, kidney disease. Mm -hmm. Kidney disease is one of those things where you may have it, but really not be aware of it. Yes. So it's called care and justice. And so we've got five years to um, uh, work on this. And one of the things that happened is uh, by marrying them up with one of my district conferences and them doing their presentation and me just saying a little bit, they said that something happened that was phenomenal that normally doesn't even happen within the research of uh, with Duke, is that we had 33 people to sign up. They, they had informed consent, and we understand when informed consent is, is important, but also they were screened with screening that also means some blood drawn or some um, urine that was taken mm. and therefore finding out, you know, if they had these markers that we're mm. looking for to see if they are more likely to have kidney disease mm. and that they can do something about it. I think that's mm. really important, something that's ongoing for us right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Reverend Perry, just as Reverend Dolly was talking, I know that you know, genetics and just that explosion area of genetics is on your mind, and that kind of connects with what Reverend uh, Dowdy had mentioned about the the early diagnosis and the techniques to kind of determine if you might have a marker or some 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 tendencies in your in, in your biosphere, so to speak. Um, I like to ask Doctor Dowdy a question about that. Mm -hmm. uh, did they do the the blood draw right at the district conference? Yes, sir. We had an area set aside. They brought in. Uh, their staff to support. We had the restrooms. That was one of the things that was important is making sure you have a location that it can properly be done. But yes, sir. All that was done on site. That's that's powerful. That is powerful. Definitely powerful. Yeah, let me have about ten more minutes. So as things things occur to you, uh, I would just do we want to talk about Reverend Perry the 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 intersection between faith and science? And again, we have some folks that we certainly believe that that the Lord heals that that Christianity is a powerful force. But do we, do we want to kind of talk about the, the merger and not pe people not being having to choose one side over the other, but see the complementary nature of both? Yeah, I think that that's what we I think that just in our practice alone, uh, by, you know, people having confidence in their ministers and in the church, 
we're we're finding that you know we we reduce the the ignorance and and uh, that surrounds the issue of health. And I think that's good. We don't call it sugar anymore. We know it's, sugar, it's diabetes, and and we're working. Um, you know, one of the things I was really concerned about Reverend Downey and and um, Owens and, and and Davis is that you guys in North Carolina, your conferences are where Duke is. Your your conferences are so spread out, getting people together to harness what you what you got in North Carolina. And you know, one of the things, one of the concerns I had initially, and I it was the denomination itself. It's like I said to people, I said, you know, we get the wrong bishop up here. <laughs> and they could put the wheel, they could put the screech on the wheels. So we can act and locally, but how do we how do we move this in a in a larger way? That's one of my questions. And for you geographically, how do you how do you harness this with Duke? And you're so spread out over North Carolina. Let me, let me share, uh, Dr. Dada, before I lose my thought here. <laughs> the fact is, uh, uh, Reverend Perry, is we don't even use all that we have. Let me just give you an instance. Um, in the county I am in now, retired, Hope County, I know the movers and shakers in Hope County. I just left Scotland County. I know the moves and shakers in Scotland County, but even better still, in every county in North Carolina and Connecticut, you have a ministerial alliance. Now, the ministerial alliance is usually African American and white, in another instance, but now they're coming together. In that ministerial alliance, I can reach the whole state, or we can reach an entire region or state with the information that we want to give them. So it doesn't have to stay within the AME Zion Church, especially when we're talking about information. Mm -hmm. But uh, that is powerful now. That's 100 counties in North Carolina. Okay, and that's, uh, I don't know how many counties in Connecticut, even though I lived there and, uh, for a while. But uh, you get the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's an avenue that we have in. Or well, maybe you haven't challenged yet, but I'm in a perfect position because having uh, been retired, I'm now active in my county, Oak County, and I have access, of course, to uh, the media in Oak County. So I can do uh, pretty much give. And I, I'm excited. That's one reason I'm excited about this. Maybe that's what it was. The 350 people and the 500 people, they was all from Oak County. <laughs> <laughs> uh reverend perry let, let me let me kind of kind of ask this question and it's kind of off script but i just wondered if everyone would like to, to share a, there might be a particular chapter or verse in the in the bible that that relates to relates to health and the word clinical trial didn't exist when the old and new testament were were were, uh, were birthed i guess wonder whether you when as you read the the old and new testament whether you see uh, the message there that might have been sent about us really claiming today as a as a reality in terms of taking ownership of our health. Are there any verses or books or in the Bible that you think really uh, amplifies why this mission is so so important to you today? Hopefully, that's not too much of an abstract question. Uh, Reverend Dowdy, I'll start with you. No, it's not an abstract question at all. I'm actually, we did do that. I'm trying to think of some scriptures that we did. We uh, One of the things we did, we strategized to actually use scripture to support the work that we do. And I actually did a sermon on it, but mm -hmm. I can't remember what that particular scripture was since it's been a while ago. Um, but that's a very apropos question. There is. Anyone else like to weigh in on that? Tom, I, I do remember. <laughs> Who is that? Go ahead, man. <laughs> you know, I there, there are several passages of scripture that that sure. we could talk about, but I have one in mind that's very familiar. It, it's it's the it's the, the the text with the the ten lepers. There were there were ten guys that were had leprosy, and they're 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 screaming, trying to get our Lord's attention. And he just told them to go show yourself to the priest. Mm 
uh, and only one come back and give praise to God. But but this piece of, of faith and science, they had faith to call on the Lord, but they had to go see the medical people to get checked out. So so it's 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 nothing new. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, let me just share with you the scripture, the main scripture that we in North Carolina took a hold of and still use, of course, is Proverbs 4 and 20 through 22. And it reads, Son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thy heart, for there are life unto those that find them and medicine to all their flesh. Now, that was one of the main scriptures, but I got a whole bunch of them. We have a whole bunch of them that we first started out with. And uh, that's how I grabbed a hold of, kind of was birthing that program, that Facebook program that I had, I have rather. And uh, you'll find there's hundreds of scriptures that are dealing with hell. One, another one I like is uh, that, um, it, was, it just disappeared from me. It's, it's my birthday, y'all. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Grace, grace be unto you. Grace be unto you. I think the premier scripture is Luke four, the one that says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me. Because not only does it deal with mental illness, it deals with sickness, it deals with alienation, it just deals with the whole issue of liberation. And I think that, or if if I had to choose one, I would I would use that one. Excellent. Reverend Davis. Okay. Um, one of the uh, scriptures that come to mind is when uh, the creation, when God created everything, and he said that it was good. All the, the trees and the herbs and, and the plants and the animals, it was good. It was good for mankind. Excellent. Okay. Gentlemen, we, we have about three three more minutes. So maybe uh, if we can kind of wrap up in this way in terms of what um, what might lie ahead for the cultural ambassadors uh, up and down the East Coast. And Reverend Perry, you mentioned Puerto Rico. And what might li lie ahead as we kind of vision, embrace our vision and manifest our vision in terms of really daily 24-7, 365 reality. Maybe we can hear from everyone about their their vision for the future and how do we, we continue to march forward in a, in, in a healthy and prosperous way? Well, very, very quickly, uh, I am, now Dr. Dowdy is one of the few that have uh, one, gone to Ohio, was it? And spoken to some of the pharmaceuticals, big pharma. Mm -hmm. uh, that is one of the things that I would love to see and would love to participate in because I want to know what is the plan behind the plan. Yes. 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 Reverend Dowdy? I think Dr. no, I Dowdy? think that, or I think, Reverend Perry? Yeah, I think Reverend this is one of the issues that we started with, which was how do we get the people who got who are making the money, how do we get them to give the money to the people who need help? Mm. So you you're making a drug like uh, some of the drugs that are out there now that you that black people can't afford to pay for. So we're saying if you're going to do clinical trials and you need our help, then you, we need you to help us be able to afford the uh, medicines that we're helping you to research. That was one of the things I think that's so important. And, and the other thing is, like I, I think down uh, partnering with pharma, and we can if we can lobby together to get them to do right. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> we can get them to put money into our 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 economic development and our and 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 the whole idea of medicine and taking charge of your health. Uh, we can help. We can get them to help us change the face of medicine by putting some of our young black people through college and through school. I mean, the door is wide open. Mm -hmm, we've mm -hmm. got to knock on that door and we've got to knock hard. But the only way that we can do that is that we've got to have an evidence-based performance. Mm -hmm. So when we, when we show that we are effective, that's when they will open the door and listen to us. 
and let us sit at the table and be partners at that table. Tom, I would like to just share this very briefly. Please, and Harry's gonna play the music, so go, go for it and, and well, we'll, we'll keep talking well, until he does that. Okay, when we started as ambassadors, the participation rate for minority people in this area was maybe 3%, if that. And after 13 years of work, it have risen to, to 30, in some cases 60, and in some studies may have been even as much as 80%. So, so, so I, what I envision that one day that there will be a balance with, with the participation of our people in the area of clinical research. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, who would like to have the last word before Harry plays the music? Well, let me say very quickly, you asked about the future. I like to see the work that we do in our communities as ministries, that a ministry that you can find just about in every community. Same way you look at urban ministries or the Salvation Army, where mm. you start looking at clinics that are available, that mm. you start seeing the work that we have done, we've done, we laid a foundation for that to happen. Key. That's key. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you, reverends and doctors, and really just, I guess, servants kind of come, to, that's the word that comes to my mind. You guys are servants, so thank you for serving. Thank you. Everybody, as I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment, you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gon' give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah. Cause this is my run. Let's camera action already